I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the wonderful sounds of nature. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 223, it's January 16, 2020. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many, many, many things that we can't talk about. This is very much, uh, to use a phrase that we coined here, a free-flowing conversation that will occasionally touch on mature subjects tonight. We were unsure, you know, do we have enough to do a show? And then we realized we do 40 minutes every week, whether we have anything to talk about or not. So, Yeah, and uh, you sort of reminded me, sort of as we were talking, some, some news broke today. And then I was sort of reminded of the 19 things that happened over the weekend in wrestling. So, uh, yeah, there's turns out there's plenty uh, that we could do a show about. So here we are. All right, let's just quick hit on uh, NXT UK TakeOver. Um, I didn't think it was a particularly strong show. Uh, There was some good stuff on it, but not very, excuse me, not very compelling. Not anything you need to go out of your way to see. Not like that one show that had the Tyler Bate Walter match or whatever. Just Mm -hmm. not not lighting my world on fire and... You know, they're kind of serving two masters there because they have the World's Collide pay-per-view coming up. Um, yeah, where they're doing brand brand versus brand uh, Royal Rumble weekend. So they got a lot. Uh, they're kind of serving too many masters there right now. Yeah, I think when you, when you try to build, we talked a little bit about this last week, when you're trying to build to two different shows and then also kind of build week to week, because you're in this rating at all, I think it can it, the shows can feel a little disjointed. Yeah, so that's that's about all I got coming out of that show. Um, AEW got a new television deal. Uh, I guess they got a, an extension on their current deal. They're going to get forty five million dollars a year from uh, TNT, and the Dark Show is going to be on. One of the Turner networks, probably TNT, but but possibly True TV or HBO Max or something like that. Uh, so just what everyone has asked for, more content. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I as long as I would hope they if they promote it as hair for the super fans. If you want more, here's more. <laughs> that's fine because I think that's kind of what AEW Dark already is. Um, so if that stays the same, I'm fine with that. If they do like what WWE would do when they got like main event on Ion Television, and they try really hard to make you care about it for about two weeks before they lose interest, um, I'm I'm not really uh, looking forward to the big push where we get like, you know, Jericho versus Pac on the first first True TV episode of AEW Dark or something. But it's like if you just treat it as hey. Some of the talent that doesn't get to go on Dynamite every week, some lesser lesser known stars, and you kind of use it as a way to supplement your your big show. That's that's fine with me. So I saw, I think it was the WrestleNomics uh, Twitter account today. I saw a breakdown basically of what they're going to be getting paid uh, dollar for ratings point or dollar for viewer. And it's basically similar to what USA is paying for NXT right now. Mm-hmm. And their ratings are about the same uh, week to week. So, I mean, hey, it's going to make the company profitable and uh, good for them. Yeah, it's it's good news. And, and hopefully they're, you know, they, they, don't, they don't squander the opportunity now. They've obviously got a much longer leash. We kind of didn't know exactly what the how long-term the deal was when they were uh, first when they were first going to be on TNT. So yeah, they've, they've got a chance to, they got some breathing room and, and a little more, more cash to play with clearly. So yeah, that's, it's good news. So we're 14 or 15 weeks in 
to dynamite now. I forget the exact number, but um, my my biggest concern about having another hour every week is that I've seen this before with TNA when they had they had one hour on Spike and they're like we need two hours. We just we cramp so much crap into one hour because we need a second hour. And yeah. then they got and then they got two hours and they kept and still they were like cramming so much stuff into two hours. And then when Bischoff got there, they got the TNA reaction show. Oh yeah. Uh, on on Spike and they were like cramming more stuff into that. They you know, they had like a third hour and it's like uh, who asked for more content? That's what that's what I'm <laughs> That's hello, hello. Who asked for this? The television networks. That's who <laughs> asked for it. Like, that's for better or worse. I think the idea, and we've talked about this a lot, is it's less about as much as I'm sure they would like to attract a new audience and keep growing their audience. It's also about how can we super serve our existing audience and right. those people that these diehards that I watch every single week. How much more can we squeeze out of them? Can we squeeze another? You know, if I don't know, let's say eight hundred thousand people watch Dynamite Live every week, or whatever the average is, can we get four hundred thousand of them to watch True TV every Friday night or whatever night they end up putting the the second show on? Um, and maybe I think I think it's yeah, I think sometimes it's less about oh let's let's give it to more people or or the maybe the more regular fans. Uh, it's it's for the the super fans and seeing just how much you can squeeze out of them. Right. Uh, Rocky Johnson passed away uh, today or yesterday, whenever you're listening to this, or two days ago, whenever. Uh, Wednesday. Rocky, Wednesday. Yeah, Rocky Johnson January passed 15th. away. Yeah, Rocky Johnson passed away. Uh, historically, very important figure. Uh, first African American to hold a title in WWE. A tag team chance with Tony Atlas, who I had the chance to meet when he introduced himself to me. <laughs> I had WrestleCon last year and told you me. Dem- believe what, as you said, he demanded you notice him. Yes. Yes. And uh, I, the whitest man alive, he said that I was the first black man that he'd seen that day. So. Ah. Well, all right then. That anyway, ha- Rocky Johnson. Happened. Yeah. Poor Rocky Johnson. Obviously, he and Dwayne had a complicated relationship. Um, it seemed like they ironed everything out there by the end. But um, 75 or whatever, it's, you know, it's always too young. But I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot to add. Rocky Johnson was before my time. Yeah, I've, see, I've seen a very little bit of Rocky Johnson uh, here and there on the network. And... Uh, that's about all I got on Rocky Johnson. La Parca died, uh, yes. not the not the WCW La Parca, not LA Park, but uh, the replacement who went on to be in the gimmick far longer than the original La Parca. <laughs> hit his head on a guardrail doing a suicide dive and never recovered. Sad story. Why is a fifty six year old d- dude doing suicide dives? Yeah, that's that's a weird terrible story and obviously the when it when it happened everyone knew it was really bad and people were concerned that he wouldn't last through the night and you know he was fighting and fighting and i guess his condition looked stable for a while there but yeah he was just never never able to recover from it it's it's really sad and it's there's a lot of stuff when you watch those older guys in mexico uh and i I, you know I, i I talk about it. I, I watch Triple Mania every year, and that's generally my the extent of my <laughs> exposure to uh, Lucha Libre every year. And it's like, wow. And, and I get it to an extent because the old guys are still gigantic stars who draw money. But yeah, maybe when it's it's tough to to think any of this is worth it when when something like that could go that wrong. I saw one of the Fantastic Gum Mania shows last week, mm-hmm. and Negro Casas, I saw him wrestle on his 60th birthday, <laughs> and he was incredible. Like, everything he did looked good. He didn't do anything that he couldn't do. He did a bunch of mat wrestling, and he did, like, one high spot. And But everything he did was believable, and you believe, okay, a 60-year-old dude can stretch, you know, 
somebody 30 years younger or whatever, mm-hmm. but he isn't going to be able to match you strike for strike or whatever. Like, I think there's guys that can and do work an effective style for their age, and it probably doesn't involve doing dives, but it's still, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to downplay it or saying it's not a sad story, but. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely just an extreme thing. I mean, one of my favorite matches of last year was the uh, the Blue Demon Jr. versus Dr. Wagner Jr. match, and that was a wild, vicious bloodbath. But you know, nobody was nobody was doing Canadian destroyers on the apron. You know, there was it was it was vicious, and and guys, you know, guys got busted open. But it wasn't uh, you know you weren't worried about anybody's necks or 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 things like that. So yeah, it's. I think there's something to be said about the, you know, just being able to to know when when it's time to go. But again, I don't want to turn this into a lecture. And obviously, it's above all else, just a sad story that a man lost his life so young. But yeah, it's 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 a very wild thing. Uh, let's see, Monday Night Raw. Let's see, Friday Night SmackDown was uh, kind of there. <sighs> Bobby Roode returned. <laughs> more jacked than I've, maybe not more jacked than I've ever seen him, but he, he was uh, he's looking good. Yeah, he yeah he did the the thing where you come back from a steroid suspension, more <laughs> more jacked and ripped than before. I don't know how you do it, but yeah, just a lot of a lot of broccoli and chicken and. <sighs> Yeah, I have. I take a little pre-workout. I had to drink a protein shake afterwards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Like I'm sure it's all that, and I'm sure the man hasn't eaten the carb in 15 years, but still, um, it's, it stretches credulity. <laughs> he uh, he has the the thing with his arms where I'm like he. It looks like he does like the dehydration thing to me. Mm. All of his all of his veins pop out like that. That's always like, Ugh. Just, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Rob Roode's back. They're doing Roman and Corbin as a straight up wrestling match at the <laughs> rumble. Do you think they end up making it loser eats dog food? Like they're doing on the house shows? Sure. Why not? Um, yeah. So they got like six, 16 dudes have declared for the Royal rumble. And Monday Night Raw this week was too long, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, they had the fist fight that we invented. It was absolutely ridiculous. And How much actual good. fists were there in the fist fight? Because I saw dives and tables being used. Those aren't yeah. fists. No, it was, it was sentons off the stage and going through tables and kendo sticks and chairs and curb stomps. And I don't recall very much fist fighting at all. Um, huh. It was really, really uh, poorly advertised, but <laughs> um, yeah. So were they, writing, kind of... were they writing the large show out already? Perhaps. Like he took a, a curb stomp, and I could I could take it either way. Like if you told me, okay, that was it for him, then all right. But I I don't know that to be the case. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I mean I don't I I don't get the sense that Big shows in for months and months, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. That's fair. It's the the last time he he came back. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was only in for like three or four weeks. So I could see them just bringing him in to you know supplement a couple of shows. And I mean, I thought he'd be in maybe through the Rumble, and then you'd have whoever destroy him and eliminate him there, and that would be it. But sure, if I was him, I also maybe wouldn't want to have to take a bump over the top rope either. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Hey, uh, Kane's going to be on SmackDown. Sure is. Is he, is he declaring for the Rumble? If he does, <laughs> you'll hear about it on this show next week. Guaranteed. When I lose my mind. <laughs> well, we need some. We need some star power, man. We need. Uh... <laughs> I will lose my mind. Who's Who's going to sell this Rumble if if we don't have Kane in there? Oh man. 
um, AEW and NXT this week. I thought AEW was a pretty good show. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a enjoyable, easy-to-watch show. They did some... I thought the, the Moxley-Jericho angle was really, really good. And I thought the opening and uh, closing matches were both very good as well. So that's a good that's a good way to bookend your show if you have a good match at the beginning, a good angle somewhere in the middle, and a good main event. You can kind of forgive maybe some of the stuff that's not so good if you have those three elements in your show, I think. What about DDP doing a... I'm going to be very generous and call it a crossbody off the post to the floor. He kind of fell off the top rope onto five guys, but it kind of looks like when you play a wrestling video game and you go up top to hit hit like a a body splash, but the the computer guy like starts to stand up. Yeah, and so you just still do the straight diving body spl- dot body splash, but you just kind of bump into the guy on the way down. Right. Right. That's that's kind of what it looked like to me. He just dove straight out like he was doing a belly flop <laughs> yes. in a pool yes. onto him. And uh, I don't, I forget if it was the butcher or the blade because I, I don't know which one is which. But <laughs> Neither one is of JR. Them, uh, one of them. I should know because one of them has blade written on his trunks <laughs> and the other one is uh, the butcher. But <laughs> the butcher, um, Butcher's the bigger guy. One of them did a really great job of catching Dally was my point. Okay. Uh, just thought, like a great, great catch. Like great job. Really, <laughs> everyone else just kind of fell away as he dove, but that that one dude, he caught him. It, so I don't know how. Like, I wish the booking made a little bit more sense. Mm. They set up this little mini tournament where Puck and Darby Allen, Darby Allen would wrestle. And Moxley and Sammy Guevara would wrestle, and then the winners would wrestle next week to be named number one contender for the AEW world title. And right. I'm like, I could have sworn Moxley's been the number one contender for like six weeks, and he just wins all the time. And he beat Trent in his last match, and Pac is trading wins with Hangman Page. And beating up Michael Nakazawa, and we, and Darby Allen Allen loses every match that he's in. Uh, looks good doing so, but loses every match. And Sammy Guevara is mostly a tag guy. How did those? How did three of those four guys get in the tournament? And why does Moxley now have to beat Pac next week to be number one contender? Still, like I, I, I wish this made more sense that's fair um sammy did get a couple of wins the last couple of weeks he beat dustin and then he beat Daniels. so he's at least i i didn't realize at the time that that meant he was they were going to do this little tournament thing to your point i thought it was like oh well he's gonna wrestle moxley next week and they wanted to give him some wins so that moxley would get a little something out of beating him Right. And that made sense to me. That made that makes all the sense in the world to me. But when they all of a sudden went, oh, this is a number one contenders mini thing, I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, you could have just said it's Moxley versus Pac, because at least Pac's like one more yeah. than Darby or, or Sammy have. And then you could just say, and then you just have the two warm up matches tonight and you know and or say or yeah say that that's the number one contenders match but if either man loses then the guy who beats them gets their spot because at least then it's like oh it's a little bit more on the line if they maybe if they worded it differently or or presented it differently i think maybe they could have made it work but i I do agree that just coming out and saying that darby allen who i I have has he ever won? I mean, I know he's won <laughs> on like dark and stuff, but the last time I saw him, he lost to Cody. And like, uh, as we pointed out, Pack has sort of traded wins with Kenny and, and Hangman. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I get what you're coming from. I, like I said, I think they could have made it work, but it, the way they went about it maybe wasn't perfect. I had a thought and I completely lost it. Oh, the Moxley angle uh, during the show—they did kind of the 
Road Warrior Spike Dusty's Eye thing yeah. with Jericho and Moxley, which I thought was good. But then at the end of the show, they did a very nineteen late 1990s pro wrestling angle where Moxley's being loaded into the ambulance and then he kicks his way out of the ambulance and fights his way back to the arena. And I'm like, right. why, why are we doing this? <laughs> that was... That was too attitude era to me, and it's like if that's your if that era of wrestling is your jam, where apparently, which apparently it was for Tony Khan, like <laughs> cool. It just didn't do anything for me because I I thought we were doing something different with this company, and I thought <laughs> I thought I thought there was going to be an element of uh, not to go all Jim Ross on you, but I thought there was going to be an element of realism here, and that was mm. just like very corny pro wrestling stuff to me like it wasn't bad it didn't like totally turn me off the show or anything but it's like eh, i don't know that we needed to do that that's fair i it didn't it didn't really bother me but it, it i didn't feel like it was some great moment i think if you can leave uh, to me and their pay-per-view is what it's february 29th right so they still got time they got six weeks yeah so like to me you could have just said Moxley forfeits. Pack's getting a television uh, match on television for the belt, and then after Jericho beats Pack, you can have Kenny get involved or Michael Nakazawa get involved or whoever. To, and Pack loses, and then as Jericho celebrating, Moxley makes his big return and beats the crap out of Jericho, and that's and then you set up the title match. That and that 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 to me feels like you you've got plenty of time you still could have done that but yeah uh th- yeah it's one of those things where and this is not the first time this has happened where it feels like maybe they crammed like 3 weeks worth of tv into about uh you know 45 <laughs> minutes or so right which is why i'm very apprehensive about giving them another hour to cram stuff into <laughs> every week but regardless yeah all right, Bianca Belair won the number one contenders battle royal on NXT this week, uh, so that sets up. Uh, she will wrestle the NXT Women's Champion at Takeover Portland, which is still about a month away. And you got Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley in the interim at Worlds Collide. Shouldn't, shouldn't Kaylee raise the champion right in the UK? Yes, that's correct. Shouldn't, shouldn't she wrestle Rhea? I guess they're not doing champions versus champions on this show necessarily, but as Bianca Belair said last week, uh, she said to Tony Storm, "You don't even go here." <laughs> <laughs> I no. thought, was, thought was very funny. That's very good. I uh, that's, that's awesome, actually. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. I don't have a problem with them doing Rhea, Rhea and Tony. It's just I. I don't know. I. I guess Kaylee Ray will wrestle somebody else. Maybe she'll wrestle the pint-sized pixie. <laughs> we should talk about uh, people who should quit their respective promotions mm-hmm. uh, at some point. But uh, I guess real quick, let's power through the rest of NXT here. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are going to be wrestling Mustache Mountain. At, I think that's at the World's, at Collide, World's Collide show. Yes. Right. And then... Gargano is wrestling Finn Balor at Portland. So that's the big stuff coming out of that that show. And uh, yes, I was watching NXT last week at about the fourth time that I heard Mauro Ronaldo refer to Candice LeRae as the pint-sized pixie. I was like, well, you know, Mauro sometimes does Mauro stuff. And I'm not sure he's always using the approved branded nicknames or what have you. Yeah. Maybe this is just a one-off. And then WWE social media all week was calling Candice LeRae the pint-sized pixie. And you pointed out to me, she has a t-shirt that says the pint-sized pixie on it. And I'm like, Candice LeRae needs to quit. <laughs> she needs to quit WWE. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. And like... <sighs> It's it's just it's frustrating because it, like we talked about this a little off the air. Like the second I read that and I saw it on the shirt, all I could think about is hearing Michael Cole say it. <laughs> and I just felt my blood pressure rise. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's pretty bad. She should quit just over that. Uh, Casey Catanzaro did not quit. She uh, was back on NXT. Speaking, speaking of that, should Candice is not like the smallest woman on the roster. No, it's not like she's Casey's size, right? Right. So, like, I I don't even understand that nickname. <laughs> like, she is of average height for a woman who wrestles for WWE. I feel like. I think she's got the best gear too. It's like it's like she dressed like an athlete. It's not provocative. Like it makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like I'm like all all drinking aside. Like I'm a very big fan of Candice LeRae as a wrestler, and I think she's like I don't know that they know right now that she's like one of the ones to build around because she just has that ability to connect with people that you can't teach but uh hopefully they'll notice sooner rather than later you know i'm not sure it took them took them an awful long time to figure out that samoa joe is someone that you should not only hire (laughs) but use in a main event position so i mean yeah like i mean decades (laughs) yeah i'll say my my hopes are are not high for that but Sometimes they figure things out a little quicker in NXT. Although yeah. the thing I came out of that uh, the main event tonight that for NXT the Battle Royal was that Io Shirai is the most over person in the world <laughs> at Full Sail University. <laughs> she's she's really good. She's really good. She's really over. Stardom really wants her. She's engaged to Evil, who <laughs> lives and works in Japan. I'm curious if she uh, ends up like she fought to get to WWE, though. You know what I mean? Like, right. They didn't take her once because they were being very cautious about her neck issues. And then they were less cautious all of a sudden. And, <clears throat> and she got signed. Yeah. Like she fought to be there. Yeah, I I guess it, it's going to come down to with her, and I know they've talked. Uh, people talk about Kyrie potentially leaving as well. It's like it's going to come down to it. Are you there to because you want to be there, and because this is like what you want to do? Or, I mean, I I know I read that like she's probably making less in NXT than she was in Stardom, um, but obviously you're not probably hustling as much working in in NXT as you are working you know working independently so i'm i'm sure there are pluses and and minuses to to both but i yeah i guess it just it's going to come down to is she there cuz she really wants to be in WWE and and wants to be a star in North America or is it is the is her her you know her family her her fiance living in another country is that too much is is potentially making more money back in Japan worth going back for so I mean it's it's something to it's not I don't think it's a an open and shut decision so it'll, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. All right, you are kind enough because Wednesday is just an extremely hectic day for me. You are. Uh, almost always kind enough to send me a cheat sheet of topics that you would like to to discuss on the show every week. And this week, on this week's uh, list, I noticed that there's there's one item that I didn't clarify before we came on the air here. Uh And and so I'm just going to clarify it on the air now. And it says, various scandals in wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... This could cover a lot of ground. All right, what? let's start with the Snooka murder, and let's work our <laughs> way forward from there. It's like, how far are we going back? Start with Mula shooting on Wendy Richter. <laughs> Do I need to get my notes on the Zahorian trial? <laughs> oh. No, but uh, I, I was more speaking to things like uh, Tessa Blanchard's uh, No Good, Very Bad Weekend. Oh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> she, uh, boy, <laughs> she decided 
she was going to do a women's empowerment tweet. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of women that she had not empowered decided <laughs> to not empower her. And in fact, tried to ruin her career. Now, yeah. You know, uh, justifiably and rightfully so, if the actions that they described that she did uh, actually took place. And I don't think Tessa outright. Well, she did outright deny it, but then did not outright deny it at another another time. So God only knows whether Tessa spit in the face of a woman of mixed ethnicity and called her the N-word in Japan a couple of years ago. But that was the accusation that came out a day before Impact (laughs) was set to make her their men's world champion. And Impact being Impact went ahead and did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then she cut a promo after the show went off the air, uh, where which included the greatest quote I've ever... That's like the most Trump-like quote I've ever heard in professional <laughs> wrestling, maybe. Which is, I have one of the strongest minds that I have ever known. Yeah, that was excellent. But, uh, yeah, so there's, there's scandal number one. There was the... Uh, Un- Uncle Paul uh, got himself in a little bit of trouble. Um, for making light of Paige's situation this week. Yeah, I didn't take that as he was actually making a comment on whether Paige is able to have children or not. <laughs> like, I thought he just said something offhand. A joke, a poor joke about someone having a wild reputation as a partier. And he apolo- he had to apologize for it. <laughs> but, like... I didn't think that I didn't think that was like something that he should be crucified for. Like was it a joke? Yeah. Was it in poor taste? Yeah. But I don't think I don't think he meant anything by it. Well, beyond the her not being able to have children thing, it's also like she has very publicly spoken about how like the time in her life where she was, you know, revenge porned, according to her and her mother. Um she was, uh, according to her, anorexic and somewhat suicidal and was in an abusive relationship. And that's, and I think it didn't strike it to me when she, when I saw Paige and some other people tweeting about it. I I know Renee Young tweeted about it too. Um, It didn't strike me as she was upset at the not having kids part of it. I think she was just like, this is a really bad, rough time in my life, and my boss is making fun of it, and that sucks. And, yeah, I think it's fair. I think in any real, normal workplace, if you make a joke like that and someone gets upset, you're going, like, you're going, at the very least, you're going to go have a long talk with HR or something. So, it's like, yeah, it was it was unprofessional. I don't think that's even up for debate. But, no, I don't, again, I don't think he was trying to be mean or trying to hurt her or trying to you know make make light of of her not being able to have children but it was still just a stupid thing that he shouldn't have said and i think it was just a bad it was just bad (laughs) impact got themselves banned from twitch because they're doing like (laughs) like i don't i haven't watched impact in I don't know, Jeff. It was whenever <laughs> Jeff Jarrett got back in there for like a couple of weeks, and and so that was I don't know, like 2015 maybe. I think it was maybe the first show on Pop TV. It was the last time I watched. So it's been a while. I'll make that clear. But my my understanding is that Rob Van Dam is like their top heel, and he's doing like a midlife crisis gimmick. <laughs> um. <laughs> With his wife and her and his girlfriend, <laughs> um, and apparently they did some something that borderlined on like softcore pornography on the show this week. And uh, Twitch has very strict user guidelines regarding uh, you know sexual content of any nature. There are you know people that stream video games. You know the thing Twitch is actually for. On that site, that if you stream games with, like, they have restricted games, you have to put your, you have to, like, list your, uh, you know, list that your stream has mature content if you're even playing a video game that has, you know, nudity or something in it. So much less, you know, 
people <laughs> in or simulating that simulating the act uh yeah that's going to it's going to get you in trouble so uh i don't know i guess i don't i don't think uh, anthem has enough money to buy twitch so they might be in trouble on this one all right what other uh, assorted scandals would you like to discuss i think is that it is there is there any more <laughs> I mean, we could talk about something from, like, two weeks ago. Like, I'm very happy that we can now officially cancel Joey Ryan. Oh, uh, yeah. Who, who booked Teddy Hart in 2020, the year of our Lord, 2020, for his bar wrestling promotion. Yeah. Like, if you don't know what Teddy Hart is all about by now, and you continue to book him, I think I think we can cancel you. So, Well, there was that in his... Uh... He's pretty publicly spoken about, you know, not wanting to be have any part with racism or homophobia or things of that nature. And then this week he was one of the most vocal uh, supporters of a woman who may or may not have called somebody the N-word. So, um, yeah, I think I think we can not pay attention to Joey Ryan uh, when he when he postures and looks for uh, for woke points. Oh, there is one last. I don't know if this qualifies as a scandal, but are you aware of uh, Gabe Sapolsky melting down about David Starr uh, asking him why Evolve doesn't pay all of their wrestlers? I, I saw some of this. He went like on a mini tweet. He started binge tweeting. <laughs> like, I yes. don't know. How, I don't know how to, how to in calling Starr by his shoot name. Yeah, man. It's... Because Evolve often doesn't pay all of their talent. <laughs> they yes. like they pay people in opportunity sometimes. Yeah. They pay people with the chance of an opportunity potentially somewhere down the line. Right. Um, and and again, it's it, there's a discussion to be had about oh, if you're, you know, if you agree to work for free, then you're, it, you're the problem, not the person that's asking you to work for free. And that's a conversation we have. But whether uh, Gabe wants to admit that or not, they're directly associated with the largest wrestling company in the world. And the idea that, oh, we just can't, we're, we, we can't afford to throw, you know, throw somebody 50 bucks or something for, for a show or for helping set up the ring or whatever as a, you know, doesn't really, doesn't really pass the sniff test. And so yes, Gabe, Gabe Spolsky went on a very long Twitter rant and then deleted all those tweets and then tweeted that Evolve will pay everyone from now on and then deleted that and then made his account private. (laughs) (laughs) Having the most normal one, which is, let, let me just be clear here. That's how you have a Twitter meltdown. You tweet a bunch of stuff, you immediately delete it, and then you lock your account. That is a G-darn professional Twitter meltdown. That's, yeah, that's by the book. <laughs> that's like... Just my, missing my... an I was hacked or something. Right. That's Right. My thing is, if you can't afford to pay people, I don't think you should be a wrestling company no more. <laughs> yes. Like, okay, if you can't pay the talent, then actually you are not in business. I don't know what you are, but you're not a wrestling company. Like, am I wrong? No, I think that's (laughs) absolutely fair. And it's, it's, and again, especially when, as has sort of been implied by people that have worked with Evolve, when the idea of you're sort of lording over potentially, oh, well, maybe you do this and then, when WWE needs an extra for NXT or something, maybe we'll give you a call or something like that. If you, if you come, come do this, or if you, you know, pay to go to this seminar and, um, or, or whatever. And I, I think that's, that's when it gets like extra scummy for me is like, not only are you not paying people, but you're also like, you're paying them by basically telling them, well, you have to do this. Otherwise, like I'll, black volume <laughs> right yeah yeah that's pretty bad like and i'm someone that's done a lot of work for free over the sure. years and like there's a certain amount of that that i mean i never liked it i never liked doing work for free but there was a certain amount of the amount of of stuff that i was willing to do because it was like all right, well, this is kind of an internship or I'm kind of paying dues. Like there's a certain amount of that that sure. 
in this um, economy that doesn't work for everyone, uh, I think there's a certain amount of that 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 just that has to go on now. And I don't think it's fair, but like I'm I'm willing to pay dues and I'm willing to do work for free if there's an an end in sight. But I don't feel like when you're a professional wrestler and you are taking bumps, I don't feel like working for free should be something that you should do. Sure. I mean, you get hurt setting the ring up, for God's sake. Jeez. So much less taking, you know, taking bumps or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that's a I don't I think you're I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with if you can't afford your talent, you shouldn't you shouldn't be running <laughs> shows. The Evolve thing never made sense to me. Like, I don't know how they continued to run shows. Like, I was at one of their shows uh, two and a half years ago or so, mm-hmm. and there were maybe 250 people there. And then I saw the attendance reported as, like, 500. And I think they were streaming it live on WWN. But, like, I don't know how they... I just don't know how they ever turned a profit or how they were able to stay afloat for like seven plus years without WWE backing. Like I, I don't get it. Yeah. That's much like <laughs> evolution. It's a mystery. <laughs> All right. Well, we've, uh, covered a lot of ground, shared a few laughs. <laughs> Out of some very problematic people. <laughs> we've canceled, we've canceled others. Is there anything else that we need to get into this week? No, I think that's about it. I do want to say uh, I don't watch Raw very often anymore, <laughs> but I do enjoy the gifts of uh, Kyrie Sane and Asuka just doing random stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just—they just—I don't know if it's they don't care or it's just because they're wacky and weird people from a different culture or what, but they are just wildly entertaining. Like watching the gif of. Uh, uh, Kyrie just poking at Becky with her umbrella the other night howled. It's the funniest damn thing I've ever seen. I do watch Raw because it's very difficult to do a wrestling podcast centered on American pro wrestling where neither of the hosts watches the most widely watched wrestling program. I don't know you say that, but we never really tried. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Alright, that's it. Until next time, I'm Ethan. I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. First of all, what the hell's going on with Bertie and uh, Elizabeth Warren? So, <clears throat> I, what appears to have happened is they had a discussion in 2018 where Bernie, uh, depending on who you asked, either spoke about the trouble that women have in national politics or, if you believe the Warren camp, uh, was saying that a woman can't win. Right. Um, Bernie pretty categorically denied it, and it's worth noting, I think, that in the fir- in the original story, this was broken by CNN, uh, the Warren uh, campaign refused to comment, right? which is like a weird he- way of hedging your bets, I guess. <laughs> um, maybe they didn't think Bernie would flat out deny it, I don't know, but... Uh, and then Warren put out a statement saying, well, this did happen, but also me and Bernie are friends and let's all be friends and and whatever. <laughs> and then at the debate, they, of course, it was a CNN debate. So CNN's, I mean, there's literally a part in the debate where she, they go, did you tell her that a woman couldn't be, couldn't win the presidency? He says no. And then they literally go, Elizabeth Warren, what did you think when he said <laughs> that a woman couldn't win the presidency? So, uh, yeah, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know what, what this was going to, again, because she 
or her crew or whoever don't seem willing to go full bore into just going, you know, calling him a sexist and, and really going after him. But they clearly wanted to. So, like, they do this half measure. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know this for sure, but she has ex-Obama people, ex-Clinton people, and I think now some ex-Kamala Harris people. And all of those people, with the exception of the Obama people who worked for a once-in-a-lifetime politician, uh, are bad at winning elections. Yeah. So, so I think she listens to like the worst and then and then they were telling her, well, you know, you don't have to go hard on him. But, yeah, let's let's go after him a little bit. And then it doesn't I don't think it's really affected anything. Bernie's raised like a million dollars in the last four days or something. So it's not like it's hurting him. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess they feel like that she was slipping and that was their best option was that I guess they feel that his surge was taking and her dip was directly related and that he was taking away from her. And so they had to go after him. But again, they did it in such a half-ass way that I just don't know what they were expecting was going to be the result. But then, okay, so you think she's lying? I don't necessarily. What I think and the way it was told was that it's an and I think she probably took it. A certain way and she probably repeated the story several times about oh yeah I remember talking to Bernie and he was telling me how a woman can't win <laughs> and so a staffer a high ranking staffer took that and said alright we've got him but then I don't I don't know I it, to me it feels like the story was embellished and maybe he said something that she took the wrong way and <laughs> Well, it's not like she has a history of embellishment. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> That's the other thing, too. It's like, I I don't... Maybe if she didn't uh, lie about being Native American or <laughs> um, or whatever, maybe there would be less... Uh, maybe more people would believe her. And maybe if there wasn't, like, video from, like, 1987 of Bernie talking to school tr- children about how... There, of course, a woman could be president. Uh, <laughs> it would seem a little more realistic, but because he categorically denied it, and she didn't seem to want to go blow for blow with it and really go after him, it's just been like this weird, lame thing that I guess built into CNN's, you know, or cable news in general's like horse race, you know. Let's not talk about anything that actually matters. Um, <laughs> let's just drum up some stuff. But yeah, I, to me, it all felt like she took she took a comment or a conversation a certain way, and probably told a lot of people who she works with about it. And they're like, "All right, well, this is this is a a, a round we can save in the chamber for when we need it." And I guess they thought they needed it. I did cackle. I was watching. I watched. I don't know. Maybe the second half of the debate or something, and then I was watching the post game. Mm-hmm. And I think, first of all, Jake Tapper is just a circus clown. Is my my he's, big takeaway? He's trash. <laughs> but I think it was uh, what's her name, Jennifer Granholm, or whatever the former Michigan governor, who's now CNN's chief political commentator, or something or other. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, you know, I think Warren really did well tonight, which, you know, I I didn't really see enough to say otherwise, but Mm -hmm. nobody really jumped out at me as being like an all-star last night. But, um, uh, and then she's like, and you know, and you know, Joe Biden, he just had, he had some of those moments that some like real winning moments, like when he was talking about, being a single dad commuting from Delaware to Washington every day because he couldn't afford childcare. It's a real moment that resonates with people. And I'm like, oh, you mean when he couldn't string two sentences together? (laughs) (laughs) He literally is not capable of stringing more than one sentence together. Correct. 
yeah, it's and it's like I'm sure they have the talking point sent to them by the <laughs> campaign, so like they know what he was trying to say. But yeah, that's not what he said. Right. He, he said he said he drove 500 miles on a train to work every day. Oh wait, I mean 250 each way, uh, and then he trailed off. Right, right, right. That's the thing is he trails off. <laughs> just, it's just is it? It's, oh man, oh man, it's not good. <laughs> I'm just like, if you're left leaning and you don't want Joe Biden to be the nominee, it's Bernie, man. That's the only other option. Like, I don't think anybody else. Well, really, I don't think anyone else takes Trump head to head anyway, because I think Biden or Buttigieg would just depress people <laughs> and Buttigieg with his zero percent black support. And <laughs> and like no one's getting excited about Amy, like Amy Klobuchar. I don't understand how she pulls above like one percent because like, I'm, I'm no fan of Kamala Harris. But I would find her about 30 times more compelling than goddamn Amy Klobuchar. But she's still on the stage. Sure, yep. And the billionaire boy just bought his way up there. Yep, sure (laughs) did. he's still in the process. It's like, why is he still in the process? Well, I think it's like, I don't know, like South Carolina. He pulls at like a higher single digit percentage. Because he's again spent so much money on on television ads, but that was actually my favorite part. Is because I don't know if you saw tonight, CNN released the audio of the little conversation that Bernie and Warren had after, after the debate ended. I saw a transcript, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where Stayer just walks up and goes, "I just wanted to say hi," and Bernie's <laughs> like, "Yeah, whatever, get away from me." <laughs> I was like, I really, I, another reason to identify with Bernie is that it's exa- almost exactly how I would handle that situation. <laughs> okay. I try to keep on keeping on.